Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. I'm looking forward to Robert Stein, our financial manager, opening up the offering tomorrow and seeing 15 Starbucks and or uh, Starbursts and just kind of wondering. Well, I am going to ask him to count. I counted 15 kids up there. I don't know what y'all counted. We're going to see how many Starbursts end up in the offering, and we may report that in the bulletin next week. We'll see. Thank you, Debbie, for that good object lesson for us. Let me pray for us as we enter into this time. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the children among us and the babies in the nursery. We thank you for the parents among us who worked hard to get here today. We thank you for the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, the oldest among us, the youngest among us, the newest visitor today, the longest tenured member. For every person that is given sacrifice of time and energy to be here, to worship you, to hear a word from you, to gain comfort from one another, the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we give thanks. And we ask, God, that you speak to us today as we have need. In your name we pray. Amen. Today we're wrapping up a three-week series we've been in called Generous Lives, where we've been looking at various aspects of generosity and the call of Jesus to be generous with all God has given us. And so we, this whole uh, life concept of generosity, we talked about generosity of time, that time is a gift we are given from the day we were born to the day we enter eternity. We have enough time to do what God has called us to do, to be who God has called us to be. And so it's incumbent on us to be generous with time and get on with that business. Last week, we talked about generosity of spirit, spirit being the the way God has made us, what makes you, you, and, and how we use what God has given us that makes us, us, to serve God in the world, our, our talents, our gifts, our, our personality, our career, our education, every bit of what goes into making us, us, is on service to be used for God's kingdom in some way, for God's use. Uh, today, we, we talk about generosity of resources. You knew it was coming, right? You knew this was coming. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about this today as we need to do occasionally. But let's just kind of settle on a few things of generosity in case you missed one week or in case you haven't been here the last couple weeks, some things that we've talked about. Generosity, for our kind of definitions, for our discussion today, is, is giving back beyond what would be expected of you or, or expected of society, giving back beyond that with no expectation of payment in return. So giving in such a way that is somewhat shocking, that is somewhat beyond the norm, and in such a way that doesn't directly benefit you, at, at least not that's not the prime purpose of giving, that it benefits you. A lot of giving done in secret ends up benefiting us in some way, but not that's not the purpose of it. So that's kind of our, our idea of generosity. 
And we have some some good, I think, theology below that that goes into what we're talking about. And I'll be honest, I have misspoken on this a couple times. I know that will shock every one of you that I might have said something incorrectly or stumbled over it a little bit. I found myself saying we're giving back to God or we're giving of what is ours to God. And that really contradicts some of the theology we've been talking about, really more properly said is that everything we claim to have, our time, right, our very life, the breath in our lungs, the income that we have, the savings in the bank, the retirement you may be living on, all of that, even if you worked very hard for it, is a gift from God. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so a good theology of a really highfalutin word, I'm going to call stuff, right, all of the things we claim to possess, our stuff, is that it all comes from God. And so we're not really giving to God of what is ours. We, when we give, when we give generously, when we give miserly, we are giving back to God from what he has entrusted us with. And so God gives to us. He gives us time. He gives us spirit. He gives us things that make us us. He gives us things that make us beautiful and unique where we can be used in the kingdom of God. He gives us income. He gives us jobs. He gives us these monetary resource things in the world. And it's incumbent on us to receive them as gifts, to not be beholden to them, and to return them to God in a generous way. And so that's the case we're going to make today. We have responsibility to manage what we are given wisely on God's behalf. We have agency in this. We have freedom in this. And this is the concept of stewardship, which often comes when we talk about resources, that that we are stewards or caretakers. This may be a word we might understand more. Everything we have is not ours. It's God's. And he, he entrusts us and says, use this for the good of the kingdom. Use this, yes, for the good of your family. Yes, to bless you and yours, but also to bless the world around you. Participate in the kingdom of God. So today we're talking about being generous stewards of our resources. Now, now notice, I didn't just say money, right? To just say being good stewards of money is really too simple, or to say good stewards of our salary or income or something like that. I want us to think a little more broadly, while that is part of it, we're called to be generous stewards, as we've talked about these three weeks, of everything God has given us. So what are the resources available to you? Time is one, right? Our spirit is one. We could go on. Our love is one, which is kind of wrapped up into spirit. Certainly the money we make, right? The salary or the commissions, however, you know, your job has worked is is a resource to be used generously for God's kingdom. The the retirement income you may live on is is something to be used generously for God's kingdom. Even it is as a finite amount, right? The the house you live in, right? The apartment you live in, rented, owned, however someone else's, however that works, is a resource within your stewardship capacity 
that could be used for the kingdom of God, the cars that you drive. You know, if you think about a balance sheet, those you might have take like intermediate or, you know, beginning, beginning accounting, the actual CPAs in here are going to roll their eyes and go, and pastor has really no idea what he talks about when he gets into these. But anything we, sorry, CPAs, anything we could list like on a balance sheet as an asset, something in that positive category is a resource And if it's given to us from God, then there might be, there will be some way that might could be used to bless someone, to encourage someone, to further God's kingdom in some way. And and of course, money is a big, big part of that. Now, now this is going to be one of those toe-stepping sermons, all right? If I don't step on each of your toes a little bit today, I've really not done my job. I hope not to stomp, right? That is not, I hope not to break any toes, but to get us all thinking about however we give, whatever we have to give, be it a lot or a little, how God is leading us, how God has blessed us, how God is leading us to use all of that for God's kingdom. So it's gonna necessitate a little toe-stepping. I apologize, but that's what you called me to do here, okay? So we're going to do it, and I'm going to try to be as gentle as possible as we do it. You know, the Bible gives broad witness that we, God's people, are called to return to God generously from what they have been given. I mean, from beginning to end, uh, the scripture speaks of this, and, and we'll do a little survey. I mean, most many would go back to the Old Testament and, and Abraham early on there in Genesis 14, and and Abraham, uh, his nephew Lot had been had been stolen essentially, and he rescues him and has this military victory. And right after that, we have these very very brief few verses where this kind of mysterious priest comes out of nowhere named Melchizedek. And, and he blesses Abraham, and Abraham gives, ten, gives him in one brief verse, one, not even a verse, really a sentence, gives him 10% of everything. Now, we don't know if that's everything, everything, like everything he had, 10% of the spoils. It's a little, little vague. And it's not set up as I will do this every year. It's not set up as everyone all time needs to do this. But we go back to that. It's really the first example biblically uh, of Abraham returning to a priest of God, 10% of what he had or what he had won as a blessing to God, as a thanksgiving to God for, for blessing that had come down. And, and the, the, the whole this so this is where we get the word tithe from, which just means ten percent, um, which Debbie talked about, and, and really from this point, one tenth kind of becomes a standard uh, that that many follow. I'll be honest, this is the standard my family and I strive to follow, to give 10% of whatever comes into our life, uh, to give that back to the church. And, and if we are able above that to other things that matter to us in our lives, be that here or other places in the community and world. We keep going a little bit and as the law comes with Moses and eventually the temple system and, and priests and organizations and the whole thing, there becomes a somewhat or rather complex system of gifts we see in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and I won't go through all of it, but, but in essence, you were called to give of what God has given you. If you are a farmer and God blessed you with uh, abundant grain that year, you gave 
10% of the first fruits, the first grain that came in. If it was, you know, a tougher year, you had less to give, but you still gave as you were able. If you were a vineyard owner, you gave 10% of the the first grapes to come in. If you were uh, a laborer, you gave 10% of your wages. However you made your living, however you were able to give, you were called to give 10% of those first fruits back to God in recognition that God had provided this for you that this was not yours, even though you sweat and worked very hard for it, all of it, even the sweat, was a gift from God you were called to return, to remember that everything we have is a gift. And then there were other offerings given. There were offerings at festivals and offerings at feast days and holy days that others gave, offerings to the temple itself to support the temple, but it's this complex system that ends up being developed. Now, we go on into the New Testament, and and giving isn't addressed really maybe quite as much as one would think, or that there's not really a standard laid down. Jesus never just says, you know this, you've heard this, that there's one way to give or one amount to give that really gives us a nice, easy line where we can draw it in the sand and say, all right, what's the minimum? That's really what a lot of us want to know, isn't it? I mean, what's the minimum buy-in here, right? Like, what's, what do I need to give to really feel okay that I'm in, I'm being generous enough, and I can kind of stop worrying about it? That's exactly what Jesus refuses to do. I mean, one comes to him and says, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, the rich young ruler, I've, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm following the law. I'm following the commands. I'm, I'm giving as I'm able. What, what do I do to get in the kingdom of God? He says, well, sell everything you have. It's a high standard. Other points in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, it says a couple things. In Matthew 6, 1, you can't serve both God and mammon, or you can't serve both God and, and money or God and stuff. You're either going to love one and hate the other. You ever been there? But boy, money gets pretty important to us. And when we know we need to be giving, it becomes a matter of bitterness. You can either love one and hate the other. You're going to hate one, love the other. You can't serve both of these. And then earlier in that chapter says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, you know, I think we can look at our, well, a couple decades ago, maybe for some of you, this still applies. I can say, we can look at your checkbook and know where you, where your life is, right? Where your heart is. Now we might look at credit card statements, right? And say that I can know where your heart is by, by where your treasure goes and says, don't lay up treasures here where, where moth and rust will destroy If you're going to build something, build treasure in heaven, build treasure in the kingdom of God that will never, never rust, never be destroyed, that goes on and on and on. Those are there in the Gospels. Acts 2, we see the early version, earliest version of the church we've talked about before, where among them, again, no standard is set, but, but the standard outcome that is there held up before us is that there were no needy among them. Whatever they were giving, it was enough that they were cashing in property and and cashing in resources in order to meet the needs of one another so that there were no needs among them. Paul in Ephesians and Corinthians and and around his his other church, it seems when there was famine in Jerusalem, uh, he collects among the dispersed churches to support back the church, the mother church in Jerusalem from where it all came. And it's this great unifying effort for those new Christians, those 
most Gentile Christians even to give to support their brothers and sisters back in Jerusalem. And we see evidence of many giving generously to that end. We could go on, but I think that's enough to show from beginning to end, Old Testament and New, at every stage of God's revelation and work among his people, including today, there's this call. We might say more than a call, a mandate, that if you are a person of God, there is a mandate on your life that you have been blessed immeasurably. You have been blessed, whether you think you have little or you think you have much, however you view that, however the world might view that, there's mandate, a call on you to give back to God generously from what you have received. Now, hear me say a few things. None of these texts are saying money is evil. Money is basically, resources are basically neutral morally. They are resources that can be used to do much good in the world or or for much selfishness or, or to do much harm in the world. What these and other texts point to is that it's the love of money that is spiritually dangerous. You've heard this sermon before. It's the the pursuit of money and resources for their own sake or for your power or to build you and yours or others up, uh, that is the danger. It's, It's that money or the pursuit of stuff becomes our worship, becomes our heart, becomes our passion, and inevitably then leads to the alienation or the subjugation, the oppression, or just the ignoring of others in the world. That's where the danger is. Money itself is fine. Work itself is good. It's given to us as a blessing. To earn is fine. We should do this. This is part of how God provides for us. It's that thoughtless pursuit that captures our hearts, that is dangerous. And the one surefire way to ensure we are not a slave to money that we don't worship money even subtly and the things it buys and the things it brings. The one surefire way to ensure we're not is to use what we have generously, lavishly in ways that don't puff us up or bring glory to us. And God's plan is his bride, the church, that this is where this should go. Maybe we see this as clearly as anywhere in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. You've heard this story. The, the mad, there's a, it's a story. It's a parable, right? So it's a, it's a metaphor. The master goes away and he entrusts some of his resources to his stewards, to his servants, his caretakers. And to one, he gives these bags of gold that are five talents and one two talents and one one talent. And he goes away. And, and sometime later, he comes back in the parable. And the one that had been given five and the one that had given, been given two had invested and traded and done what they need to do and have doubled the amount they were given. And the one that was given one had just gone and buried it for fear of losing it. And the master berates them. The first two that doubled what they were given, they're called good and faithful servants. And some really harsh things are said to the person that took what he was given and hoarded it and buried it. Now, this is not 
a parable about capitalism. <laughs> this is not right an investment strategy that we're, we're being given here. It's not a sermon about the miracle of compound interest. It's, it's a parable about stewardship. The necessity not of doubling, it's not about the amount, the necessity of using well what we have been given. You've been given things. Time, spirit, yourself, resources in this world. They're meant to care for you and yours to meet the needs that, that you have in this world. Yes, and then they're also meant to be used generously for the kingdom of God to bless, to love, to serve others in this world. It's the necessity of using well what God gives us, whether we've been given a lot, whether we've been given a little, the call to generosity is the same. It's not about the amount, it's about the heart. And friends, church is at its best, which is to say it's most Christ-like when we seek to be generous, lavishly, sometimes seemingly to the outside world, foolishly generous with what God has given us. When we seek to return generously from what and abundantly from what God has entrusted to us and we trust the spirit to take our meager offerings. And when we give generously for many of us, it's meager as the world counts it. Some are able to do more, some are able to do less. It's the heart with which we bring it collectively together and we watch the spirit multiply what we have to offer. Because ultimately God doesn't need the amount. What God needs is, is wants is the heart of the cheerful, generous giver. And he takes what we can muster among us and he multiplies it lavishly in the world. We've seen this throughout history, that God's people scrape together what they can to serve the kingdom causes. And sometimes there's a lot of zeros behind it. And sometimes there's just one zero behind it. In the case of some, there's no zeros behind it, but God multiplies the heart. You can drive around town and, and see evidence of this. I mean, I could tell stories for days on this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna limit these to just the generosity of Baptists in Texas in let's say the last 120 years. I could go more, but right? We'll narrow our scope because everything's better in Texas. I'm a proud Texan. I mean, drive around the city. What are the hospital systems here? Baptist health system, Methodist health system. Back before healthcare was a business, God's people got together, Presbyterians and Baptists and Methodists and other around the country and beyond and said, we need healthcare. And they formed these wonderful systems that now bear our name, if not always our, our influence, and have been gifts for decades and decades to the communities in which they reside. I mean, who's caring for the most vulnerable in society? Who's led that charge over the last century and a half? Elder care, orphan care, care of vulnerable women, children, families, and others. It's, it's the bride of Christ, the church, that saw the needs and started what we would have called the children's homes and, and orphanages and, and had names that we may not use today, but in our parlance today, affecting the most vulnerable in society. It is 
Christians, it's people of faith that saw these great needs, felt these great needs among us and pooled resources of time and energy and funds together generously and said, well, if no one else is gonna do it, we are. And we've left a legacy of, of systems, some of which we're still very active with. Some of them just bear our name. Again, there's things like elder care and others have become businesses. It's changed significantly. Who's led the charge in feeding the hungry in the world? Or housing the homeless? It is people of God who saw the need, felt the need, many of whom experienced the need and pooled their resources generously together, gave of what they had to say, there's something we, now it's not exclusively us, but we've led the charge and I think that's something we should recognize that when we are at our best, we are looking at the great needs of the world, the great needs of our community and the resources that God has given us. And we are praying and seeking actively to say, how might our generosity and the needs of the world meet up? And where might God be leading this particular church or the churches in this particular community with the generosity of what God has given us to meet the needs that this community has, this world has? This is somewhat or a big part of Trinity's story. I've heard so many, I heard this morning, you know, of, of telling when there was a need for things for families to do, for sports leagues and entertainment and, and, and just coming together as family. And so one of Trinity's first things was building a bowling alley and a roller skating rink and an amphitheater and a gym. And, and the church grew tremendously because it met a need uh, for families to, to be together. And then those things were, were changed and, and rotated as the needs of families and this, the community changed, created alpha home out of the felt need to care for women struggling with substance abuse. We bought TriPoint as a, with a dream of, of using this as a base to reach our community and meet the needs of the community. On and on and on we could go. Ideas and plans born out of generous hearts, generous minds born in prayer about where the needs of the world and the community were measured against the resources at hand, followed with courageous steps of obedience that were taken were generous, to be generous so that the needs would be met. Courageous obedience that believed the purpose of those resources was to meet those needs. I wonder, church, What needs, what dreams our generous hearts will be led to meet in the days and the years ahead. I mean, I wonder what the Spirit of God is cooking up among us, planning to do through the generous lives being cultivated in this very moment, in this very room. So here's my challenge. I'm going to be very blunt. Standard rule in the church when you're in seminary is that about 80% of the funds are given by, of the, the resources for the church are given by about 20% of the people. I think it's closer to 90-10, which means a lot of people are giving very generously and a lot of people are giving as they're able. And when we really look at it, what we see is a, well, it's a good number of people that are giving very generously to the church. And, and there's a good number of people that, that, that are tithing. And there's a good amount of people that, that maybe aren't, 
but are giving as they're able. But there's also a whole lot of people that, that just really aren't giving much. And that reflects on all of us. That's not a guilt or shame-inducing thing. It's just, it's just the fact of the matter. And so, so here's my challenge. I do think Scripture sets up a, a 10% kind of standard. That's not feasible for everyone, just to be honest about that. So if you haven't been given anything to support kingdom ministry of this church or in your life, what you're passionate about, I encourage you to pray about giving something. I mean, jumping from zero to 10% for anybody, I, no one has that sort of just dispensable income laying around probably. It may be a challenge, but can you move from giving nothing to something? In response to the Spirit's movement, in response to this biblical witness to be generous of what God is giving, if you've been giving something, but you know perhaps that hasn't been born of generosity, would you and your family pray about moving toward tithing? That maybe you can't jump there at once, but okay, I've been giving. I feel like God may be giving, leading me, uh, making it possible for me to give a bit more it's out of a generous response to what I've been giving. And then for those of us who are tithing, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, tithing been, can become a golden calf, can become an idol like anything else. Is there generosity in that? Has that become such a, a bar for you that, that we've lost maybe heart of generosity? And, and is God leading you to say generosity actually looks like more than that? Again, it's not about the more necessarily. It is about the call to continually cultivate a generous heart within us. I think this is why Jesus doesn't set one standard. He calls to us and says, this is a lifelong struggle, a lifelong challenge, a lifelong aspect of your discipleship with you and your spouse and your kids and your family and those around you with your financial advisors and others thinking about what does generosity look like for me? How might I be growing in generosity in response to how I am God is growing me to what the spirit of God is doing in my life? And friends, when the whole church gets praying about this, when a whole church is praying about not just how I can give, but equally, what can I give and what are the needs of the world this church is called to participate in and meet? Well, then I think we can expect some really fun things to happen. That is a challenge. Let me pray for us. God, we pray that you cultivate generous hearts within us hearts that do not settle, hearts that do not seek to find a minimum, hearts overwhelmed with gratitude at all that we have been given and that seek to respond in kind. Cultivate these hearts with our time, with our spirit, with our resources, with everything that we are. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.